Hi, my name is Deanna. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm going to just pause and say the serenity prayer. It's been a really, um, it's been a really busy Fourth of July here, and I just want to um, invite a higher power um, in to uh, to help me carry a message of hope and recovery tonight, and to tell the truth, um, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things. I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I will not mind be done. Uh, Your words, my lips, God, no more, no less. Um, So, again, my name is Deanna. I am a compulsive overeater, and um, I'm also a 100-pounder, and um, I, (laughs) I ironically have been, like, leading a lot of phone meetings lately, and I say that, you know, the, the irony is I am, um, I'm recovering from relapse and, um, I'm a hundred pounder. So that means for me, you know, my, my, my disease shows up in the form of, uh, a lot of excess poundage. Um, I was almost 300 pounds at my, um, at my top weight and, um, I don't weigh that today. Um, and in relapse, I gained a hundred pounds back. And uh, went back up, not not to my top weight, thankfully, but um, up somewhere around 230 pounds, maybe more. That's the point at which I stopped weighing. And, you know, thanks to this program of recovery, I've been able to abstain a day at a time um, from binge eating um, for the last um, almost eight months. And I've released a, a significant amount of weight. haven't gotten on a scale. Ballpark, I'm guessing I'm down about 50 pounds or so. Um, 45 to 50 pounds, maybe more. And um, so when I've been asked to to lead meetings, I'm like, great, I'll put on some makeup. Everyone will see my amazing physical recovery and my transformation and my Cinderella look and all that. And then the speaker coordinator will say, it's a phone meeting. So my higher power has a sense of humor, um, you know, in that it's, it's just not, it's not about the weight. It's not about looks. That was um, just part of what got me into the doors of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I have been struggling with with weight and food for the vast majority of my life since I was probably as young as maybe seven or eight years old. I remember seeing a picture of me um, from soccer, um, and I was already chubby in soccer, you know, at eight years old. So they put me in the the fullback position uh, defense because I wasn't, you know, fast or light on my feet enough to be offense. And um, and that's kind of how I felt most of my life, just sitting in the back, being in the back, you know, feeling left out, um, feeling lonely. I was a very weird kid. I was not popular at all. I had two or three very loyal, great friends. Um, you know, and that was my higher power, like just really putting people in my life that had so much grace and tolerance, you know, because I thought my main problem was that I was um, overweight and then obese as I got to the older ages of childhood. Um, but I was very different. I very much relate to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and how an alcoholic thinks. I'm selfish, self-centered, and self-seeking. You know, um, I had so much anger as a child. I had so much resentment and so much blame. You know, when things didn't go my way, if we didn't go to the restaurant I wanted as a kid, um, uh, you know, if we didn't see the movie I wanted to see as a kid, you know, then it was just like me pouting in the backseat of my parents' van. 
Um, so it was just, I was just a really sad, angry kid. And, you know, my parents are very wonderful, loving, supportive people. They've been married for like 8,000 years. They made sure I always had a roof over my head, clothes on my back, and food on the table. So all of my um, physical needs were met. But I think as a compulsive overeater and therefore a highly sensitive person and an addict, I had emotional needs that were far above average and ones that maybe my parents just didn't know how to meet. You know, I I don't think they understood why I wasn't um, happy and why I was always fighting with my siblings and getting in trouble at school for talking too much. Um, So that's that's what it looked like. That's what it looked like as a kid. And then that those patterns followed me into adulthood. I'm not quite sure that I, 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 I probably had heard the word resentment before I came into OA, but I don't think I understood what it truly meant until I came into OA. I had heard the word anxiety before I came to OA, but I don't think I truly understood what anxiety meant until I came into OA. Um, I, I had a language for about four feelings when I came in, sad, sad, and glad and mad. Bad, bad, glad, and mad. Um, I didn't, again, I didn't know things like resentment, frustration, um, you know, all these things. I came in at 32 years old, but on the inside, I was probably, I don't know, maybe six or seven at best. And um, and I had run out of options. I'd gone to commercial diet clubs. I had tried all the diets, most of the diets. And, you know, I'd lose a little bit of weight, but over time, the trajectory was just going up and up and up and up and up and up and up. And I hit my top weight of around 300 pounds when I was 20 years old. And I'll never forget, you know, um, my mom seeing my weight escalate and she said, well, what are we going to do when you hit 300, throw a party? And I remember getting on the scale one day and it read about 300 pounds. It was like 298, but I think my mom's scale, bathroom scale ran a little light. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I guess I better tell mom it's time to buy balloons for that party, you know, because I was going up and I could do nothing to stop it. And I would have these leaps in weight, um, you know, where I'd fall off whatever diet and I would panic and freak out and I would find the next diet and I would go on that to reverse some of the damages and it just would never stick. And I never paused to ask myself how I got that size to begin with what was driving me to eat more than I knew was necessary. And for a long time, I was in denial. You know, I I told myself the same lies that, you know, um, a lot of people maybe think before program. I thought, oh, I'm big boned. I must have a slow metabolism, you know, just all these things. And none of them were true. There's nothing wrong with my metabolism. My thigh, I had my th- thyroid checked. My mom had me and my thyroid checked so many times to make sure it wasn't a medical issue. And it wasn't. And I would do a lot of secret eating and sneak eating. So even when people didn't see me eat more than, you know, my siblings, like I, I was going downstairs in the kitchen at night, sneaking certain foods from the freezer. I don't know if we're allowed to mention foods on here, but I would sneak, you know, particular foods from the freezer and certain foods from the pantry and I just could never get enough. If you ask what my favorite food is, it's more. You know, when I go to restaurants, I would just order whatever would give you the biggest portion. I was always afraid that there wouldn't be enough. And um, so my eating escalated. And by the time I was in my early 20s, it, it escalated from just overeating and dieting and then going off the diet to, to binge eating. You know, I just developed full-blown binge eating disorder. And, you know, it was so tied. I didn't know it at the time. 
but this sense of worthlessness deep down inside is that I wasn't enough. And I've heard that the acronym for binge is because I'm not good enough. And uh, I have an older sister. She's beautiful. She's a normie. She has a beautiful family. I have a younger sister who's sweet and awesome and wonderful. I have a um, a younger brother who's had his own struggle, um, you know, without getting into any details about his history. Uh, he's had his struggles. Um, but I was the one that stood out like a sore thumb, you know, and just and just couldn't get it together in life. So when I came into the program, I was 32 years old. I'd never been in a significant romantic relationship. Um, I still haven't. I, I think that's the final frontier, although I did get to a point in my recovery where I was able to start dating. Um, but, you know, I'd never been in a significant romantic relationship. I was in job after job that I hated. I was borrowing money from my parents for different things, which led me to another 12-step program. And, uh, I mean, I was, a, I was a dead dog and a pickup truck away from a bad country song, and I had just had it. Uh, but I mostly I had it with being fat. So I went to a therapist. Therapist sent me to Overeaters Anonymous. Uh, she said, just go to at least one meeting. And I went to that meeting, and I have never left. I've been in, in recovery. I've been in program, I should say, for over 11 years. I came in in 2011, got a sponsor right away, started working the steps right away, and was able to, to grab a hold of some abstinence right off the bat. Um, and then um, a few months into OA, I had my first relapse. I went on a date. I don't think I was ready to be dating. And I went out after that date, and I, and I went, and I got a particular food, and I binged. And I had a hard time getting abstinent again, and I called a fellow, and I said, I don't know what to do. I can't get abstinent. And she said, you're abstinent right now, and can you just not binge for the next hour? And that one hour led to five years of abstinence. The last few months of that five years was very rocky, um, but it led to five uh, years of abstinence from binge eating. I lost all of my excess weight. I started sponsoring. I worked the steps multiple times. I did a ton of service. Um, and then 2017, there was a lot of change in my life, uh, a lot of loss specifically. And I'd handled loneliness in recovery. I'd handled anger in recovery. I handled joy in recovery. I started pursuing a life beyond my wildest dreams. I got an acting agent. I started doing stand-up comedy, dating, as I mentioned. I'd, I'd gone through this this pantheon of emotions that I'd never even been able to identify before recovery because I was buried under 150 extra pounds of weight. I went through this pantheon of emotions. But one thing that I hadn't um, ever had to deal with since I had come into recovery is grief, um, compound grief. I had my grandmother pass away. I had family move away. I had uh, my acting agency shut down out of blue. I had thing after thing after thing after thing change and change and change and loss. And my connection to my higher power, which I found primarily through service, uh, like the big book says, nothing will ensure immunity against the next strength and um, intensive one-on-one -on -one work with a fellow sufferer. So I found my higher power through service and the joy that it brought me and the connections that it gave me to people. They say the opposite of addiction is connection. And I found my higher power in music. And I found my higher power in synchronicity. And I found my higher power in grace and in mercy and in times where I shouldn't have been able to get away with things, and I did. And in opportunity and in doors opening, um, I got to talk to a team of writers for a popular TV show about my experiences as an obese person to give them context for their character. And I got to do that as a thin person in recovery. And I got to, you know, I got to do that, and that was my higher power. 
And when I went to the, the studio lot to go talk to these writers, um, I always said that my higher power is like Willy Wonka, ironically, but without all the candy, because he just is full of, he lives in imagination and he makes people's dreams come true. And when I went to speak to that, the writer's room um, at this opportunity that I had, um, the parking pass to get on the studio lot was literally a golden ticket with my name on it. That's my higher power. And even that opportunity I got through program, um, the studio had contacted Overeaters Anonymous and asked if anybody would uh, be, be willing to speak. And because I happened to be on the Los Angeles Intergroup Board at the time, I saw the email that was asking if anybody would be willing to come speak to these writers, and I got to go. That's my higher power. But fear after fear with this lo- these losses that happened in 2017 eroded my, um, my contact with my higher power. And then I started getting shy about committing to service. And when my spiritual immunity started to diminish, my mental health issues took over. I have a number of, um, of mental health issues. And uh, when I lost my spiritual immunity, I didn't stand a chance. And my depression came back. And my anxiety came back. And my OCD came back. And I started to unravel. And uh, in 2018, I, I shattered my abstinence. I, I had the binge heard around the world. My disease said, just do this just once. It will end your suffering, and then you can just go about your business. And that binge did not enter, end my suffering. Instead, it was opening the door to the gates of hell. And I continued to eat for most, the greater percentage of the last four and a half years, never leaving Overeaters Anonymous, continuing to go to meetings, two meetings a day in person before the pandemic. But I was terrified. I was not ready. I was not willing and I was not able to put the food back down. I wanted to do it on my terms. You know, the food had a hold of me, my fear had a hold of me, and I wanted to recover again on my terms, and I was just a wreck for four and a half years. Mentally was the worst part of it. Physically, I gained 100 pounds in four months and continued to eat. Emotionally and mentally, I was a wreck. It was like my spirit had detached from my soul and ran, you know, into the, the bomb shelter that is food for me. And so I uh, continued to part, you know, to be in, in OA, to talk to people in OA, to have a sponsor in OA. I had nowhere else to go. This was the only thing that ever worked for me that gave me a psychic change and a spiritual awakening. And um, November of last year, November 8th, was my natal birthday. And, you know, a voice said, why don't you just abstain today and that, that could be your new OA birthday. And I said, screw you, voice nope, I'm going to binge one more time or at least one more time. And so I did. I binged on my natal birthday. It wasn't even a fun binge. It was one of the smaller ones that I've ever had. I, I've had binges where I've uh, had chest pains in my relapse. Not only did I gain the weight, but I developed fatty litter, liver and a blood clot and was sweating at night through my sheets from how hard I was binging. So that's how I eat as a 100-pounder. And, you know, I will say that I can also swing in the other direction. Before I broke my abstinence and started binging again, I was sliding towards anorexia. I was 10 pounds underweight and uh, just withering away, withering away. Like you see my collarbones protruding. And that was me trying to find some way to feel in control was to just get thinner and thinner and thinner. And it was a cry for help. You know, I wanted my sponsor to notice me getting thinner and it was a cry for help. And I didn't know how to use language for my grief. And again, I, I started to lose touch with my higher power and, um, so I gained all that weight, and last November, again, I said, screw you, voice. I'm going to just have one more hurrah, at least, on my birthday. 
and the next night I was at my big book workshop, um, and we were talking about a concept of a higher power. And, um, you know, clearly I, I wasn't able to grab onto the higher power that got me to five years of abstinence before. It just I wasn't willing to surrender to that higher power, and I'd pretty much all but abandoned that higher power. Whether or not that higher power abandoned me, I'm sure it hadn't but I just wasn't willing to connect with it and utilize it anymore, and I just couldn't. And so we were talking about higher power, and the idea of a friend came up. Like one of my friends in the program said, you know, uh, in the workshop, this big book workshop I'm in, you know, her higher power is her best friend. And I had read some AA literature that morning talking about higher power as a friend. And um, and so I thought, okay, well, you know, I can I can get on board with that. Why don't I just have a higher power that's like my friend, real or imagined? And so I was driving home from this big book workshop, and um, I I knew that I couldn't keep on keep it on like I had been keeping on, binging and then showing up to work hungover with a headache from staying up most of the night eating, like that was not sustainable. You know, my sponsor, my therapist always says whatever we do in life has to be attainable, maintainable, and sustainable. And I knew it was not sustainable to go on like I was in and out of the binges. I'm 43 years old, and I just, I just knew like I couldn't, I could not see myself staying alive and doing this for another five or 10 or 20 years. And so, with that that question in mind, okay, so then how are we not going to do this? And the, what popped into my head was my friend, my new higher power, imaginary or real, said, "Hey, Deanna, could you do me a favor and just not binge tonight?" And I said, um, okay, that was it. Okay, four and a half years of relapse, eating most of that time with some shorter periods of abstinence in there, the longest being nine months. And I just said, okay. And I haven't binged ever since. And I'm fighting my way through another fourth step. I'm dragging my feet on it, but I know I need to finish it. I'm on my eighth step in another program. And I just, keep coming to OA and some days all my recovery is is like texting a fellow like a daily reader or just calling my sponsor really quick um you know but I I just don't leave I just don't leave no matter what no matter what and in the worst of the relapse you know it says the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively and by that requirement I should have been kicked out of OA many times in the last four and a half years. I had no desire nor power to stop eating, and no one kicked out, kicked me out. What they did do is love me and love me and love me and love me and pick up the phone to my calls, even when I knew I was wasting fellows' times and I just wanted somebody to listen to me and I didn't want to be talked off the ledge with the food. They just kept picking up. You know, there were times I had calls with fellows and I would call it emotional abuse, just using them because I just, there's nothing worse than being in the food except being alone in the food. And that's why I kept calling fellows and not leaving the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, even though, you know, my heart and my mind were struggling so badly. And so I thank you. Thank you so much. So to, to cut to what it looks like today, I've had a physical weight release. I can pass as normal now. I can I can pass as average. Um, I'm like between a size 10 and a 12 in women's clothing. I'm five foot eight, so I look I look kind of average. You know, I'd like to release another 20, 30 pounds, whatever. That'll happen when it happens, and it's been steadily going down. 
Um, and um, I'm abstinent. I abstain from binge eating, and I aspire to the OA definition of abstinence, which is abstaining from compulsive eating, compulsive food behaviors while working towards or maintaining a healthy body weight. I'm working on the behaviors. The main thing is I don't kill myself with a binge. Um, I sponsor. I have two sponsees currently. I have a sponsor. I actually have a team of sponsorship. I have a fantastic guy in Canada who's just like a big book genius, I believe. And he and I have been working the steps together. I'm also working the steps in the big book workshop with my local sponsor. I call her my heart sponsor. And then I also have a food sponsor. And I'm such a hypocrite. I used to judge people that had food sponsors. I'm like, why don't you just tell your your regular sponsor what you ate? Why do you need a separate person? But this dear fellow saw me years ago and relapsed struggling. And he said, would it help, help you if you called me every day and told me what you ate? And so I talked to my sponsor about it, and she said, well, why not take all the help you can get? So I actually have a team of three sponsors doing their best to keep Deanna afloat, and this is a WE program. And whether or not I need to have three sponsors in my corner, I know allowing them to be of service to me is, is me being of service, right? And the big book says that um, we are saved by the constant thought of others. So I think about that, you know, I think about that it's helping them. They, they get to be a service and they get to get out of self by listening to me share my food, share my thoughts, share my feelings, and be rigorously honest. I try to do a, a minimum of three meetings a week. Usually I'll get to more than that. Uh, usually I'll get to four or five, depending. Um, I do the best I can. I have a weird work schedule. Um, and on a good morning, I will pray, I will meditate, I will write, and I will read um, a daily reader. And I send my sponsor a very extensive email daily what I ate, three things I did well because I'm really hard on myself, what I did for my recovery, how much screen time because uh, my favorite other addiction to get into is watching TV. If I'm not picking up the food, I love to pick up the remote, and we're working on that um, a little by little, even if it's just me being honest. And then I end with 10 things I'm grateful for. Number one is always my absence, 10 things I'm grateful for, abstinence, and then nine other things. And it's not that I ever took my absence for granted before, but I also acknowledge that I am powerless over food and I'm powerless over addiction without something greater than myself, even if it's just, not just, but primarily the steps, my conscience and grace and love and the flow of the universe. Those are all powers greater than me. My conscience, because I didn't give that to myself. The steps, which I didn't invent, and I try to live by the principles of the steps. Um, and the universe, you know, that gives me grace and allows me to breathe another day. Um, so if you're struggling with the food, my food sponsor always says, you know, there's no no problem that can't be made worse than a, by a binge. So no matter how I suffer some days and I, the things I still struggle with, I'd rather be in the problem than be in the food. My ultimate goal always is to find a solution to be in the solution as much as my ego and my defiance resist it. But if I can't get there, if I can't turn my will towards a solution, I'd still rather be in, in the mess than in the refrigerator you know, because that led to me being almost 300 pounds at my top weight, wanting to die in a, in a, in a relapse uh, with my soul separated from my spirit, or at least that's what it felt like. And, you know, I can be a light to others and I can have a purpose in this world. And that's important. And, and OA gives me a sense of purpose uh, because I can carry a baton of hope to someone who may be in the food. Maybe you're on this meeting right now, binging, listening to this meeting. It's not going to make your problems go away. Have hope you know, invite a higher power in to allow you to love yourself, even if it's just for 10 minutes. Um, and that's probably my time. So I will um, 
I will end it there. I'm more than happy to leave my phone number on the recording, so I'll go ahead and do that. Um, my number is 310-686-7778. That's 310-686-7778. And I'm in California, so that's going to be Pacific time. I take calls and texts, preferably just not too, too early in the morning. I'd say like not before 8 or 9 a.m. I would prefer. Um, but anytime, especially if you're in, in a crisis, um, if you want to pick up or you're just struggling emotionally, because I've been there. I've been in the black of depression. I've been in the black of the food. Um, so that's it. Thank you so much for letting me be a service tonight. Happy Fourth of July, everyone. I hope you can celebrate freedom um, um, from the bondage of food tonight. That's it.